0: Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorce mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to The Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello, and welcome back to The Divorce Course Podcast. Welcome back, Mum. Thank you, Laura. Hello, everyone. Uh, and today we are actually covering a topic we haven't yet discussed we've touched on it in affidavits and we've touched on it in a couple of other spaces but that is about basically as mum describes it subpoenas and things (laughs) Um, so mum we're going to be talking today about what is a subpoena what does it do who can issue one why you'd need one why they the other side might need one uh, when they would subpoena them how they subpoena them, and also some pitfalls that you need to just be aware of as you're going down this legal path with the ability of subpoenas and um, information people can access. So, Mum, do you want to just start off? Let's just get straight into it. What is a subpoena and things?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So a subpoena, uh, that's a Latin word, for a document that you can ask the court to issue um, to someone to give their records to the court and then you can go to the court and read them or sometimes it's a subpoena for someone to come and give evidence at a trial so it it's um it's just a, a legal document uh as a way of gathering your evidence so you've got to look at it in as part of the whole picture of uh if you're going for property settlement the first step I don't know if everyone remembers, but the first step is to find out what property there is, right? And sometimes mm. you might have someone on the other side who is lying about what property there is or you think is lying. Um, and a subpoena, in other words, issuing this document, getting the court to issue it, say straight to the bank, um, and they'll produce all the documents or or straight to whoever has the history that you want to know about, the accountant or whatever, is a way of... Of getting that information in your hands and then through your hands to the court. So it, over the years of the Family Law Act, they've realised that people don't always tell the truth or and don't always reveal what they're supposed to. So this is a sort of a, a forcing way um, or a way around a person who won't tell you the truth about something. Okay.
0: Do you ever need it apart from to prove that someone's not telling the truth,
1: um, no, almost never. Um, unless actually nobody knows, they might say, oh, "I can't remember what I paid for that." Um, you can also use it in children's matters um, and mm-hmm. also in domestic violence matters. So, in children's matters, you might issue a subpoena to the doctors who treated a child, or or to your partner's psychiatrist. Um, to find out some story, what's the story there. So so subpoenas are quite a powerful tool. And in the Federal Circuit Court, you're limited to five unless you get special permission of the court.
0: Okay, can I just ask, when you said to see what the story is there, mm. does that mean, so let's just run down a scenario, say okay. you, your ex-partner and a psychiatrist, you um, you subpoena them or the, your lawyer or you. What information do you receive usually, for example, from a psychiatrist? Okay, so from a psychiatrist, you, you ask for what you need. So normally,
1: and it is a technical area, Laura, um, because you can oh, okay. get caught if you ask for too much. Uh, they call that being too wide. So you say, let's say, for instance, that you think your partner broke his leg last year right, say, mm. or, or I'll change it from a psychiatrist to a doctor. Okay so, okay, so he doesn't say anything about it. For some reason, it's crucial to your court proceedings. Uh, so you would draw up a document to ask the court to issue it and it would say to the doctor, would you please provide to the court all of your files and notes and x-rays and, and consultation documents, something like that, um, about and put the person's name and from mm. whatever date you think it was so if you thought he broke his leg last year you might say from january 2020 until you know today um, and that way the doctor will produce uh their notes photocopies off to the court mm. and then you can go and have a look i'm assuming that a broken leg is important um, if it's a if it's psychiatry and say for instance, uh, your partner's been diagnosed with um, bipolar or, or something um, or depression mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, then you could ask for the notes from the psychiatrist. Again, uh, all your consultation notes and file notes and billing from this date until that date. So you have to make it fairly confined, otherwise it's
0: too hard for them to respond. And in property, so mm. what, for example, you could subpoena a bank yep. to find out what, how much? do, yep. Okay. You might so want that's to something say that with the do. bank,
1: you might want to... I've had cases where we, we thought a person wasn't properly telling the story about what property they owned, and so mm. by subpoenaing the bank and asking them... Not only to give bank statements and bank records, but also copies of any applications that have been made for finance, or any mm. correspondence between them and the and the person. That gives you a really good story and the whole picture of what what there is. And you can, oh, I see. So there's another boat at the Sundays or whatever
0: <laughs> that he's <is> noted down <laughs> okay. here. Okay. Yeah. So basically the point of a subpoena is to get evidence uh, for a trial. Do you Could you need it for evidence outside of a trial? Yep, uh, only if you're in court. But usually, um, you know when you first start
1: proceedings, if you're looking at an interim hearing, if you're trying to just get something in the short term, remember we talked about how long it can take to get to court for the long term. Mm. And on a short-term hearing, on an interim hearing, The judge hasn't got time to go, oh, well, she's lying, he's telling the truth. They don't have time for that. So they will only act on um, undisputed facts. Um, So I always like to issue a subpoena when I file the documents so that I've got some backup evidence on the day that we go to court. And we can say to the judge, Your Honour, my client says this, That person says, no, that didn't happen. But my client has issued a subpoena and have a look on page three, you know, Mm. and
0: and it's... Okay, so for people listening, our listeners needing or about to go to an interim hearing, that is before it goes further, they could uh, seek a subpoena or file a subpoena to get that information so they can present it to the judge. Now, you mentioned that you can only do five Normally only correct? five in the Federal Circuit Court unless you get permission.
1: Um, one of the ones that you might issue, Laura, on children's matters is often uh, a subpoena to the school. Say someone's saying, I meant to say this, say someone's saying, oh, she doesn't send them to school, or you say he doesn't send them to school, or they're always mm-hmm. like, Well, those records can be quite helpful in supporting, in supporting mm-hmm. your case.
0: Yeah, you can also. But but could could you use, for example, Q parents if you're in a state system where it just has it on the website? Yeah. To just say yes, you can. Yes, you can okay. print that out and attach it to your affidavit.
1: Uh, but yeah, anywhere where there's scope for you or the other person to be um, just writing lies, <laughs> mm. um, then you wouldn't use that. But if it's a document mm. that's maintained by the school for you. Um, and there's no question of it being tampered with, then you won't need to subpoena. And, and that's important. You su- only subpoena when you can't get the information any other way. Okay, okay so, so do you ask you first? And ask. Yes, and you can ask uh, the other side. Say uh, if um, your husband uh, wrote the car off and uh, you think mm. he kept 14000 or $15,000 from that write-off, you can write to them and say, please provide Disclosure about that car that was written off and what you did with the money and if they don't say Mm -hmm. if they don't tell you Then you can subpoena the people who bought the car if it's that important and also the bank to see what happened to that money
0: Okay, Mm. so so basically a subpoena from my understanding is is some sort of way a document that you can file that the court can then enforce Another party a doctor a psychologist a psychiatrist the school People that have bought cars, mechanics, mm-hmm. you name it, banks, uh, to get information that you could otherwise not have access to to prove something that is in dispute. Yes,
1: is that correct? That's right. And and okay. the reason that the court has to issue it uh, is because there is a five thousand dollar fine at the moment. It's five thousand dollars if you don't respond to the subpoena. So it's uh, yeah, So it's kind of a. a you know, a dangerous thing. If you issue it to someone, they really have to answer. Um, and that's why it comes from the court. Sometimes people will object to the subpoenas um, and you might find yourself in a bit of a, a argument in court. Um, you don't want that. You don't want them turning up with very expensive lawyers while you're trying to do your own case and argue that you should mm. pay their legal fees. So keep the subpoenas sort of um, just for a narrow period of time not too long and ask specific Mm. specific questions so that it's not that hard for them to comply with
0: okay so later on in this episode we're going to talk about how to do it yourself Mm -hmm. but just wondering pretty much it's used in a way to prove to the judge that that what it is that you're trying to prove to help with with the interim or the final who can issue subpoenas Oh, anyone. So say there's you, your ex-partner, yeah, maybe it. they've got a lawyer, that's it? Well, your ex-part- if you've got a lawyer, your, your lawyer
1: will do the subpoenas for you. Uh, if you haven't got a lawyer, you do them yourself. But you can only issue subpoenas if you're party to proceedings in the court. So okay. in other words, if someone's fi- filed. If you're trying to negotiate um, and no one's gone to court yet, you can't use the subpoena. Then you have what about to just mediation? Like, no. mediation, no. Can you, you can't do it use for mediation? No, not unless you're okay. already in court.
0: Okay. So step one, obviously, rely on other people's goodwill to give you the information, <laughs> ask for it. So Pardon writing a letter. Laugh.
1: You don't write to third <laughs> yeah. parties. You, you write to your ex-partner no. and ask for that information. Yeah. Uh, sometimes other parties can't tell you like you might have had a shared accountant when you were together Mm. um if you ask you and you say your husband had control mostly of that you can still write to the to the accountant and say can you give me this information but if they won't give it to you then Mm. you're, you're going to have to wait until you start proceedings and issue a subpoena
0: Okay, so it's just you, your ex, and Mm. the lawyers that can issue it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can can judges ever do it? Yes, they can and do. Really? Yeah, and they can issue them really
1: short notice too. Uh, So I've been in a number of trials where the judge says, well, I want to hear from this person, and nobody's subpoenaed this person, so I'm issuing a subpoena from the bench, and this person needs to be here tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock to give evidence. (laughs)
0: holy moly yeah well that's good i guess that gets things out in the air so um let's let's cover we've kind of covered why um but let's cover it again so it's basically for evidence so have you got any good examples of Why it's good to subpoena? Like obviously not relating to anybody that you've no nothing. Well, of course, this is just general advice. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yep. Sometimes people tell
1: complete porkies about their financial situation, and uh, particularly if you get a copy of any applications for finance, then they put their best foot forward and they don't leave any. Um, item of property out if they're trying to get a loan from the bank so they'll list everything and give it values Uh, so it's really good for that Uh, sometimes Um, you've got a suspicion you can't settle because you're pretty sure he's got 30000 tucked away in this bank. When you subpoena the bank, that money might not be there. So it's very useful for you. You can go, okay, all right, it's not there. Okay, I can settle now. It just sort of, Mm. you know, shines a light on some of those dark areas, particularly when trust is gone. Um, Other times I've seen it really, really helpful is like with school where children were missing huge scraps of school. The other person said, no, they're not. And, you know, Mm. the judge can't choose. You produce that evidence.
0: Mm. Mm. So uh, what about in domestic violence uh, situations? What's a subpoena useful Mm. for? Um. What do people do subpoenas for
1: in uh, yeah, the? TV I'm courts? blessed if I know really. Um, I know I, I know of one case I heard about where the allegation was that this person had smashed a hole in the wall and it had had to be repaired. Um, the other person said no, I didn't, uh, didn't do that. Um, then uh, they subpoenaed the uh, plasterer who fixed up the wall, and show hmm. and brought that to court and said, well. You know, it doesn't prove that this person smashed that hole, but it does prove we had a hole and it was repaired. Mm. Yeah. So they might lose it like that.
0: What about with police? Can police subpoena mm. or yep. be subpoenaed? Yep. And,
1: mm-hmm. and the criminal records are important. You can, you can um, in a DV, you can uh, subpoena the police. You can in a family court proceedings as well. Uh, for someone's criminal history, Or domestic violence history. You just put their full name and date of birth and then ask for that history. You can also issue subpoenas to other states if there's been, um, you know, if there's been trouble down there and they've come to the attention of the police in another state, you can issue the subpoena down there to get it all before the judge. Just because the police are around the court doesn't mean they will have his or her whole criminal history with them. So subpoenaing Mm -hmm. helps...
0: Okay. All right. So when I know we've talked about in the timeline, obviously mediations not worked, maybe because no one's actually properly disclosed how much money someone's Mm -hmm. got or you're not agreeing. So obviously you have to go into the court process, make your application that we've talked about in the last, this last episode. Mm. And your, is that when it's a good time to do those subpoenas or do you want to, should you hold off?
1: Uh, I don't see any benefit in holding off. If they can help towards negotiations and settling things, do them. Uh, if your mm. trial is a year and a half down the track, um, and the subpoenaed material is a year and a half old, therefore you might want to update subpoenas, issue new ones for the for the period that was missed. Um, but I, I think issuing a subpoena early is the secret to resolving cases. Because if, you, like I said, if you're thinking there's thirty thousand there. You, it's good if you can find out if you're subpoena. If there's thirty thousand there, you can go ha to the other side. <laughs> I've proved it, and what are they going to do? Or you can say, oh, okay, I was wrong about that, so I'll now I'll be able to negotiate without worrying about that that money. So the the sooner you can establish the facts to your satisfaction, the better.
0: Okay. All right. Well, then it gets us to the nitty gritty part. Yes. How? <laughs> so you've gotten to the stage where you need to prove something, and it's he said, she said, and you're like, ah, I got to prove this. Uh, even in children's matters, or mm-hmm. in property, mm-hmm. or in domestic violence. How do you do a subpoena? Okay. First thing, the very first thing mm-hmm. is to make sure the subpoena is
1: dressed to somebody. So you can't just issue it in general to the police or to the school or the education department.
0: Okay, so, so sorry Ma, I'm gonna stop you there. Yep. I'm gonna backtrack you further. <laughs> Where do you get a subpoena to issue? Oh we'll we'll put the link. It's one of the forms in the Federal Circuit Court and Family Court um, list. Okay, so forms. same same place we've same been sending place, you but we'll put it absolutely. put it in our show notes. Yep. Just click on the link and it should take yep. you there. And yep. you'll fill that in okay, using, so,
1: and you fill it in using your court number and your own the names like it is on your court documents right Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: it'll have one section is two and you've got to put a name and address there and then another section tells you tells them um, what you want from them so they're the two bits you really fill in so the first Part okay. is to, and it's actually important that it's to a person, not to a department or a government. Sometimes they might just say the proper officer and then put an address. Uh, but we always telephone the people that you're going to be issuing a subpoena to, whether it's the Education Department, um, Child Services or whoever it is. Ring them up. Ask to be put through to the legal department if it's a big section and say, who do I address to whom do I address this
0: subpoena? And they will know and they'll give you the right name for that. Okay. Okay. Why is it important to do a specific person and not just a department? It's
1: because of the of the $5,000 fine. Okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there needs here, to be
0: a, here's person. a little rocket. Yes. Here's a little rocket under your seat. Yes. That's a little bit of motivation. And Please get be it really done. Un- as opposed- yeah, and it'd be really
1: unfair if, if someone at the front counter got a fine when it wasn't there <laughs> they didn't know what to do with it okay so you send yeah, it to yeah. someone who knows what they are about so that's that and they'll give you the proper so you get the proper address when you ring these people and and you put that on your document so you know it's going to someone who can action it the other thing you can ask them when you ring them is uh how much is the conduct money Laura, you're going to ask me what conduct money is. What is conduct money? That sounds terrifying, Ooh, Laura. What's conduct money? Conduct money is just the money that, that um, so that the person answering the subpoena, the person providing the documents, isn't out of pocket for money. So it's how much they think it will cost to photocopy these documents and get them to the court, all right, or electronically oh. get them to the court. In the old days, it was calculated by bus fares. And, and and or sometimes in, in um, pages photocopied. But every department has their own idea of how much it will cost uh, and mm. they will tell you. So I think the police at the moment are around $68. Uh, most departments are around between 30 and $60. If you've asked a psychiatrist, they might charge you more if they've got to physically go through the records. So it's always important to ask them how much it's going to be because if they do it and it, it's going to be $2,000, you have to pay them. So ask them how much it's going to be up front. Do
0: they, do they send you an invoice after they've done it or do you have to pay before they will you do it? You pay them before they do it, yeah. And okay. that
1: way you get do, you also have an idea then how much it's going to be and you're locking in the price, you know. Yeah. Mm. Do schools usually charge? Yep, the education department does, yes. Not oh, individual okay. schools. So if you're doing the schools, you would you would uh, subpoena either Cathed or the Independent Schools Association or the state school people. So ring whoever it is and ask them who the proper officer is, how much is their conduct money and who do you send it to. Some people you have to deliver them personally, some you have to email them.
0: So the best questions, the three questions to ask when you're subpoenaing someone before you fill in the form mm-hmm. is who is the officer I need to name in the subpoena, mm-hmm. how much is your conduct money yep. going to cost me, and what is the address that I need to send it to? Perfect. So if you ask those three very specific you, you questions, three questions. Um, you get all your answers. And you that's what you fill into the first bit of two. Okay, so right. what's the next bit the of your subpoena? The
1: is, is what you want. Okay, so the form's already pre-filled out with uh, what's going to happen to them if they don't comply, like the $5,000 fine, and the court will fill in what date they have to have it back to the court. So you just have to fill in the documents that you want. So normally Mm -hmm. it will be about one or two or three particular people, Okay, and then depending on what sort of institution it is, that will be the documents you want. So, say for school kids, right? You might mm-hmm. say that you want the want all and any information they have about name your child one. You know, Percy Bishy Shelley plus Mary Bishy Shelley. You know, put the two names, put their dates of birth, and then and say including but not limited to uh, their and then you might make a list, A, B, C or 1, 2, 3, and it'll be report cards, uh, emails between the parents. Um, mm, I don't know what else. Attendance records, all that school fees records, um, you know, anything that you you want to get to get your information for the purpose of court. Uh, if it's a doctor, you might put the names and dates of birth of whoever whoever's records you're looking for Um, and again you might put uh, attendance notes um, uh, bills and so forth but I would put some specific dates because if you've got a lawyer who's uh, a doctor sorry who's been treating uh, a 30-year-old since they were two you wouldn't want all of those records it would cost a fortune so just the the months and dates that you want might be a two-year period might be a three-year period. So that's
0: sort of okay. Thing. What about if you're subpoenaing them to attend court? Okay, so that normally only happens for a final trial. You so okay. you
1: can't remember in the interim well you might not remember I don't know if we've made that clear but every interim case every time you go to court for an interim hearing or a mention no one's allowed to give any oral evidence. It's only whatever right. documents. It's all on the papers. The only time people give evidence is right at the trial of the matter, when the judge has got time and he's one-on-one with you guys and he's got time to observe the person in the witness box and the questions get asked. All the way up till then is just, like I said, it's he said, she said on documents. So documents are king leading up to a trial. But for issuing subpoenas for a trial, you can issue uh, them to bring their notes and to give oral evidence.
0: Can you give us a brief short script that that people might be able to use, but of course, this is general advice only, but what would be the wording like is it is it going to be rejected if they write it wrong, like I know any document for court seems terrifying (laughs) so what kind of wording would they put so I know you've already described you know the date and but you said some things before and all things yes and do you know Laura I've fallen into the lawyer's trap of using
1: old precedents that are like churning around in my head of the ways that you know it's, it's a bit like in a will where we always write I give devise and bequeath when in fact all you need to say is give so I think with subpoenas, mm. my advice to people doing this for themselves, my general advice is keep the language pretty straightforward. So you can say, okay. um, all documents relating to, put the person's name, put their date of birth, born on the, and put in put a range of, of time. So, you know, between two thousand and twenty and two thousand twenty one, or. You know, you could make it a few years, but don't make it too broad. So just be precise. So you need the person and the name name and date of birth of the person you're inquiring about. Um, And then you need to sort of say that it's all documents. And if there's anything specific that you're hunting for, add that in there, including but not limited to, and then uh, give a time frame.
0: Okay, so my next question is: So you've done the two. You've done the what you want. Is there anything else you need to do on that form? No, no. You then send it into the court. So you file it in the court, which you can do through the court portal. Mm-hmm. Yes, that we've talked about before. Do you need it signed by a JP like everything else? No, you don't sign it at all. Actually, what Brilliant. you're doing is a draft
1: document. Yes, it, what you're doing is saying to the to the court. I would like you to issue this subpoena and this is what I'd like you to say and here's one I've done earlier. (laughs) Ah. And then the registrar will sign it if they're satisfied. It's a proper document to be, you know, served.
0: Okay, so if the registrar signs it, do they then send it or do they send it back to you? No, they send it back to you and it's
1: your job to serve these people. And because you've phoned them and got the actual address... Um, You know where to go with them. You technically should deliver by hand. In very rare circumstances will they let us subpoena, but because you're giving them money, either a money order or whatever um, for conduct money, maybe cash, Mm. I don't know. They usually won't accept cash, but a money order, if you don't still have a checkbook, um, then you really need to get that document to them physically. So, so it's
0: okay. Unlike unlike the divorce application and all the other crazy rigmarole, you have to do. All you have to do is take that form that's been signed by the court. So the court registrar has gone. Yes, this is not crazy. This makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're happy with this. You take, you print it out, and take it physically to the person that you've named. Yep. And do you have to do anything? Photograph. The you have to prove. Oh, you give them money. Yes, it's the conduct money. Yes. And then give them the thing. Uh, yes, is and that it? Give them the thing. So, so, do you get them to sign anything um, to prove that sometimes. they've got it? they they don't
1: normally. Um, the receptionist can sign it, but it's lovely because you can serve it yourself. So I can remember when I was an article clerk, uh, getting in a taxi on a on a Thursday afternoon, driving around from the Department of Child Safety to. Um, the police up to Mary Street to the education department just delivering subpoenas all around the place so just fine.
0: <laughs> like I've seen that um, o- Oprah Winfrey meme where she goes subpoena for you subpoena for you get everybody. A subpoena, you a subpoena. <laughs> yeah. So unlike in the d- divorce application where you need to have proof does the court just assume that you passed it on? Yeah look what are you going to do
1: if it's a if it's um, if you've served the education department and it's been on time? So they, they, there's a mm. limit, time limit on these subpoenas. Uh, you need to look those mm. up, and the rules we will give you a link. Some subpoenas are seven days from the hearing date; some are fourteen days. Um, mm-hmm. And you you assume that they will respond. Now you can check on the portal to see if they've put the documents into the court. Um, you just click on subpoenas and it'll show you subpoena material that's been returned. And when they return the material to the court, when they do, you can lodge a document asking for permission to inspect the material and you can just file Okay,
0: that. so let's just back there. So you're saying you can see that they've lodged it on the portal because mm-hmm. you can go in and see all your court documents, click on the tab that says subpoena and you'll see if that's been subpoenaed filed. Items. But you can't yep. f- subpoenaed items. Subpoenaed items. But you can't physically see what... No. Is in the document, no. so you have to go in and look at and them. inspect. That's right. So it'll say if it's it'll say
1: held by the court. That means it's been delivered to the court. Uh, the mm-hmm. reason they do it this way is is that they are keeping those documents safe from, I guess, tampering. So the court will hold them. So their chain of evidence is that it's gone straight from the person who's been subpoenaed to the court. And when you go up to have a look at it, you'll find you've got a sign in. There's cameras everywhere. You have to look at the documents. You can't photograph them. You copy notes and then you have to deliver it back to the girl behind the counter who's got custody. So they make sure no one removes pages or adds pages or does anything dodgy with the subpoenaed documents.
0: Okay, so how do you apply to go and see the documents and how do you use that as evidence in court? Tricky. So
1: we'll give you the link um, for the document you need, permission to inspect, uh, request for permission to inspect. You normally won't get permission to photocopy, so don't ask usually, Um, just keep for inspect. Uh, And then then you, you ring up the court, subpoenaed section, you make an appointment to go, you go, you have a look at the documents, you make some notes. Um, while you are there and you're making notes, if there's anything important, the thing that you wanted to prove, say that 20000 that you reckoned he, that person had and and there it is in black and white. Well, if it's a paper document that you're looking at, if it's been issued, given to the court as a proper document file, take some stickers Little yellow stickers or something and mark where that evidence is, right and then you so mm. I usually put a sticker on an important fact or an important page. I give it a number starting with one, and then on my my notebook I write one and I write what that sticker says. Then the next interesting piece you put a sticker and write two on that sticker, and then write two on your notes and write down what it says.
0: Okay, so you've got your notes. You walk out of the subpoenaed uh, court area, which we'll put a link to in our show notes as well. Yep. What do you then do with that information? So you've found, aha, I've proven he has $70,000 hidden in a bank account in, I don't know, somewhere. Um, Or I've got proof the children haven't been to school in his care for the last 10 weeks. How do you present that, or what do you do with that? Okay, uh,
1: so remembering that when you handed the documents back to the officer, uh, you've left your little stickers on them, right, with the numbers. Now, on the morning of court, the subpoenaed bundle—that's uh, what they call it—whatever's been issued by received by subpoena—is taken down to the judge's chambers. Okay, So his associate will have that very same group of documents that you had and it will have your little numbered tabs on it. So when you make submissions to the court, you can say, and, Your Honour, if you look at the bundle of documents from the Education Department, um, number one uh, is a history, a record of their attendance, and you'll see that, you know, Johnny has not attended school for the last three weeks, something like that. Or if it's been on an electronic file, sometimes when you go to look at subpoenas, um, you'll get a CD instead. uh, And so you have to remember what page that was on. And then sometimes you ask the subpoena people to print them out in advance so that they can be handed to the judge. But yes, it's your backup. You can refer to the subpoenaed notes in your affidavit and say it shows it on this page and you know, I've marked the page. Um, you can also use it in your communication with the other side and go, haha, I've looked at the subpoena documents and your, your client does have $20,000 in such and such a place. So they're very useful. It just calls people out on their rubbish.
0: And that could potentially stop you from having to go to court because they could agree to settle before Absolutely. then? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So you can either say judge in your affidavit refer to it or you can use it to write your letters which there is an episode on how to write to the other side to include that in there um, and say on this page in the subpoena documents i found this information can we please renegotiate or begin to negotiate okay um and just i know we're talking about interim so it's not the final trial but do do those subpoena documents then carry over to the final trial do they just continue yep Okay. They're all there, all there for the whole process. And what happens to subpoenaed
1: documents after? They either are technically to be collected by the people who dropped them up, but almost everybody gives the court permission to destroy them. Hmm. Um, at the end of the trial okay so that's good uh, usually after the appeal period's finished so what's really good about them laura is that it it, what was a disputed fact quickly becomes an undisputed fact when the truth is shown because i like to think that lawyers are uh, they're only acting on the instructions from their client Um, if you show the other lawyer that their client's been telling fibs uh, then I dare say that lawyer will have something to say to their client Mm. and it will become an agreed fact.
0: Yeah. We've talked about how, and we're going to have the links in the show notes. It sounds relatively straightforward in comparison to all the other types of documents we've talked about in the past. So that's a plus. What are some things that, you know, being subpoenaed yourself or you're getting your doctors subpoenaed or your school subpoenaed for your kids does sound quite worrying and intrusive mm. so you know what what kind of advice do you have for people who maybe are worried that you know their whole life is going to be laid bare for everybody to see or they're going to know what shop you go to or that kind of thing so what kind of advice mm. do you have so
1: In general, I think subpoenas are good because it just tells the truth about everything. Uh, But I think the situation you're talking about uh, is where there is a little bit of perhaps domestic violence or risk of stalking or just asking these questions for no proper reason. Um, And that's tricky because whatever you say to your doctor, if he writes it down, it will usually be caught in that description of any documents Uh, that you have in your possession about, you know, you with your date of birth. Uh, So I'm not suggesting that you uh, mislead your doctor, uh, but there might be some things uh, that you would prefer not to say if you keep in your mind that all of those notes could end up before the judge.
0: Right, okay. you know,
1: if you you think the judge that you've got is terrible old grouch, perhaps don't say that (laughs) to 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 your doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, and so just keep it very professional and clear. Mm. Uh, But by all means, if you need help uh, with your mental health or if the children are sick, um, then you have to be open and upfront and, you know, The courts are aware that these things are very intrusive and they're also aware that some people can be issuing them just to harass a person when there's no really valid reason. If the
0: courts are aware of that, do they just let Mm. it happen or are there times when the court will stop that from happening? Yes, sometimes the court, yes, the the receipt of
1: of subpoenaed documents is at the discretion of the court. Mm. And so they might not let some material be used because it might not be relevant Mm. to the proceedings, Mm. you know. Okay. And so uh, they act as a little bit of a gatekeeper role.
0: So pitfalls for writing your own subpoenas, are there things that you've seen other lawyers or people who've represented themselves where they've made a big boo-boo? Yep. And the big boo-boo is asking for too much. Where, you know,
1: not thinking clearly, just ask for the bit you need, you know. Um, sometimes, too, if you're looking for the criminal history of your ex-partner and you know you don't have one, hmm. maybe issue a subpoena for your, your name and his name so that it proves to the judge that you don't have one. Um, if you issue a subpoena for the criminal history of your ex-partner, and they don't ever issue a subpoena about you. There's always a little question mark about whether you have a history or not. Yeah. So it's a good way of clearing your name at the same
0: time. Okay. Yeah. And what, what about with bank accounts, etc.? If you're subpoenaing their bank, you wouldn't subpoena your own bank, would you? You'd just no, provide the documents to, to prove that you just don't. You get your records. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Realistically, a subpoena's a tool for you to be able to prove what you're saying is true. Or to find mm-hmm. out information because you don't know the truth or you doubt what's being said, you can use it in property. You can use it in children's. You can use it in domestic mm-hmm. violence, in the trials, etc., or in the interim. You can mm-hmm. actually have what subpoena people to come. So, can you talk us a little bit through what that is? So, that's in the trial, I guess, but that's on the trial. Yeah. Yes. So they would become witnesses,
1: right? Uh, so, um, if For instance, uh, if you want them to give evidence, but they're not on a, they haven't, they haven't made a an affidavit, they're not really on your side, so to speak, or they're independent people like a doctor, um, then you have to issue a subpoena to ask them to come to court on that day. I think it's um, you've got to be careful with subpoenas. Uh, You've got to have a reason to issue a subpoena. You can't just do it to be annoying or if you think he's put money somewhere but i don't know if it's heritage bank bendigo bank teachers credit union so you you can't just
0: issue a subpoena to everybody okay you can't just issue a subpoena. so you just got to really ah. choose it and just be really careful mm-hmm. with your choices mm-hmm. okay but don't get carried away
1: with it don't get carried most away. most professionals will come if you issue a subpoena uh, then work with them about a time for them to give their evidence they shouldn't have to sit around at the court all day mm. see if they can give their evidence by telephone ask the other side if they mind um, and just try and keep your costs down because you'll have to pay that lawyer or sorry that doctor or psychiatrist or whoever usually you will have to pay them for attending is that like and another version good. of conduct money it is, kind of, yes. yes. It's it's not just getting their documents to the court. They've got to get themselves to the court and then sometimes they'll issue a bill. If, they've, if they're like um, psychiatrists who are missing out on seeing clients, mm. you may have to pay their hourly rate. So these are things not to be done lightly.
0: Okay. If you are in the process at the moment of trying to track down the truth or prove the truth or try to understand the property pool better so that you can negotiate... As mum said, always try and know what the actual property pool is. Uh, Don't start negotiating if you've got no idea because you might miss out. Click on the links in the show notes, have a go, file it in the court and go and be Oprah Winfrey and give out your subpoenas but just be careful of those pitfalls like mum said don't put in too don't ask for too much um, because it'll be overwhelming and do your own little detective work sign up to go in and check it out have your notes have your sticky notes write down make sure you write down where you found it so you can locate it again if the sticky note falls out Mm -hmm. and any other words of advice mum to anybody who is going down the subpoena route what about those people just I know we've got to go but those people that how do, how does emotionally do, do people deal with you know their doctor's notes being subpoenaed or their psych note is there anything you can recommend to your clients usually mm, on how to deal I with that just everybody reading I them could. in a book in a room
1: oh, it's terrible it's terrible it seems like a real breach of privacy mm. uh, if it's for the children's sake um, I guess you'll just have to grit your teeth so you, you're certainly not the only one. Mm. The judges, it really, while they're deciding the case, they take notice of it. The lawyers, of course, know about it. But frankly, with everyone else's case going on, it all, in one ear and out the other after a while. Um, but yes, yeah, so I don't know how you deal with that invasion of privacy. I've never been in that situation. Mm. Uh, and and I think just use whatever self-help methods you've got. deep breathing.
0: Talk to, to your, a psychologist I guess, a Psychologist,
1: but be careful what
0: you say <laughs> I guess you could um, I guess you could look at it as a You know, when you go to the To doctors, if you get a colonoscopy You know, that really awful stuff And you're worried, yeah. oh my gosh They're going to do a colonoscopy, how embarrassing But they do it every day, all day, every day So I think, mm-hmm. I guess In the long run, lawyers and Judges and all the other people that are Reading your personal information Probably read people's personal information all the time. So after it's over, it's in one ear and out the other, and they've forgotten about it. So I guess, and you can trust that there's a professional standards for lawyers and judges that they're not allowed and to talk about it outside of the case. That's right. That's exactly right. You'll never have a
1: lawyer going, "Oh my god, you should see what I just saw in the subpoena material." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never happens. That's okay? great. So it, yeah, it, and and we're reading it, it as lawyers when we're reading this material. We're reading it. Um, just for the relevant parts to persuade the judge Mm. in the way we want to persuade the judge so you know most of it we just wash over
0: and that's important to note if you are doing this yourself and you're inspecting themselves don't go walking around telling everybody oh i read that he takes this medication or he went to this place on this day so you got to keep all of that confidential as well and keep it professional well, mm-hmm. thank you, Mum, right. for that very interesting information on subpoenas, which <laughs> I find incredibly hard to spell, um, but I will spell it right for the episode. Check out the show notes. <laughs> um, and if you need any more information or you've got a question on something that you're facing, send us a message on the Divorce Course Podcast on Facebook or on Instagram, and or you can write to us at um, the Divorce Course podcast at gmail.com.au and
1: below um, our, our notes or in our notes we'll put the link to the court's explanation of subpoenas as brilliant
0: well. brilliant yep. okay <laughs> and remembering uh, t- just double checking are subpoena rules different in each state or are they no, the okay great how, uh, except for domestic violence okay but
1: they are different um the it's commonwealth government right so it's the whole of australia but they're slightly different in the federal circuit court and the family court as it is today in may 2021 but those courts are merging soon. So it okay. should be just the same set of rules, the same form.
0: Brilliant. That'll be a good thing. All right. Thank you, Mum. Thank for your time. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording in 2020.